Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with fellow freelance models. Today, I have Louise, who goes by Tiny Little Spitfire on Instagram, on the other line. Say hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have this conversation. I feel like we've communicated a little bit on Instagram so far. And I feel like I have a lot to learn about you. I was just browsing around on your page yesterday, getting ready to interview you. And I see that you do acting and it looks like you've traveled the world. And so I'm just very curious like to learn more about you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do a little bit of everything, I'd like to think. But yeah, lots of facets. Let's, <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> That's cool. So you mentioned that you had been freelancing for nine years? Almost. At the end of this year, I'll be making my my nine-year mark on January 1st. That's so cool. So I'd like to know what you were doing before you got into modeling, like job or career-wise, and then what made you move into freelancing? So when I first started professionally modeling, I was uh, also working as a barista and I was also a student. I eventually dropped out of college just to to focus on working. I wasn't really, I was losing direction in school. I was never a fabulous student and I knew that what I wanted to pursue was art and I just didn't, I didn't think that school was for me any, anymore at that point. And I just needed to focus on work and money at the time. So I started modeling as well as a side gig. And I, I did that for, for quite a few years of juggling the both. Um, and I started doing that when I was 18. I had done other modeling throughout my life, actually, because my, my family's full of, of painters and photographers. So I was oftentimes uh, plopped in front of a backdrop or on a pretty bed of flowers or something to take pictures or to, to pose for a painting. So it was not like a totally foreign concept to me, but it wasn't until the pandemic hit when I uh, was let go from my job, like many of us were. And I was really scared, but I also felt this immense sense of relief because that work life was just working me down to the bone. And I just kind of like took a deep breath about it, took about a week to to really meditate on what the best way to go was. And at the time, it seemed pretty clear that the best course of action was for me to go completely f- freelance, full-time model, particularly doing OnlyFans and trying to safely do photo shoots if I if I could and it felt safe to do so. I ended up linking up with a photographer who is now my partner and we ended up traveling all over the country together doing our own little like photo shoot tour. And since then my career and what I do as a model has evolved a lot. I've retired from OnlyFans and sex work, and I don't actually do a lot of photography gigs because I'm focusing a lot on the fine arts and figure modeling at the moment, which has just enveloped my life as of late because I just became the the guild master, as you will, for the Richmond Figure Models Guild, which is really exciting. But yeah, it just it's been a steady exciting journey for the past almost nine years now and I I'm really excited for this new chapter for myself that's cool so you've got family that are creative that are into painting and photography so that kind of like placed you in a setting where you're sort of already like comfortable like being in front of a camera or being depicted I guess yeah I'm very lucky to come from a family who prioritizes and values the fine arts and just art and expression in general. So it's always been a huge, huge part of my life. I've always been surrounded by st- studios and and just artists and creative people. 
so it only makes sense that this is <laughs> this is what I ended up doing. But I'm extremely fortunate that my my family's very supportive and although they were not like super excited about all the work I was doing when I was like freshly 18, understandably, I've had a, an immense amount of support even having my my mom and my grandmother even assisting in some of my photo shoots. So Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a really amazing support system for that. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've, I've gotten as, as far as I have. So when you first started modeling when you were 18, were you like doing like nudity right away? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my first shoot was was nude. And it, it was with someone who is a really, really close friend of mine, an awesome photographer, and he kind of helped me set the standard for how shoots that were nude throughout my whole career kind of like should go basically. But I, I've never been shy. I've always, I think I've just always kind of been a nudist at heart, honestly. So it, it didn't feel like uncomfortable territory for me. That's cool. So if you don't mind me asking, how did your parents find out about your modeling when you first started? Well, that's a good question. I think I just told my mom about it, that I was starting to do some photography gigs here and there. I was a little sneaky about it because I was still living at her place for, I think, like a year when I was 18 before I moved out. So I was I was having to like pack a bag and make up an excuse as to why I have this like really weird outfit on and that I was definitely not going to go run around naked with some random guy I met on the <laughs> internet in the local park. Because <laughs> uh, she, <laughs> I tried being honest one time and it, it, she was totally shocked by it. But I think um, she's become very accustomed to my antics at this point. But I... Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> But I think it was it was kind of like a, a slow exposure on my part to my family, just because as much as they have always been really accepting of me and open-minded in general, I it's still modeling, it's still sex work, it's still can be risky business. And I knew they were they were concerned for me. So I just always kind of tried to to give them reassurance that, you know, I wasn't I wasn't being reckless, which I tried not to be. I'm sure there was there was definitely some uh questionable uh beginner decisions on my part but yeah uh, (laughs) I think we all have those stories (laughs) oh yeah totally yeah I mean I feel like everybody that's new to modeling especially if you're doing like work with no clothing at times or even not like there's always people that just seem to flock to the fresh young meat (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yep (laughs) It's, it's pretty, I know I've, I've never met any model who, who doesn't have at least a a couple of, of stories, but I, I thankfully don't think I have a lot of really awful stories to tell. Definitely really uncomfortable ones. And, you know, ones where like some messed up stuff or questionable things happen, but luckily it's, it's always been pretty like survivable you know it's it hasn't been anything like extremely dangerous thankfully but yeah and I I owe that a lot to I think the really amazing photographers that I was able to to work with in the in the very beginning who just showed me a really professional proper experience while shooting and so it it really helped me with deciphering what a good professional looks like versus just a creep, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, it sounds good that you had that experience. Your first photo shoot with somebody that really set the precedent for what a good photo shoot that happened to involve nudity would entail. So like, how did you find your first shoots? Was it like Craigslist, Model Mayhem, Facebook? It was Model Mayhem. Yep. I was a Model Mayhem model uh, for... I think I used it for probably four or five years, definitely through the pandemic that it, it helped me out a lot, but it, it definitely kind of sizzled out after 
the pandemic, I think, at least for me, it did. I just didn't, maybe it was because I moved also that probably made a big impact on that. But I just was not really finding anybody worth my time at that at a certain point. But there's, there's a cat to model mayhem, like how, <laughs> how like a productive it can be, but it, it did, I did credit it with helping me find the, the beginnings of my modeling network. So yeah, <laughs> you're not the only one. A lot of people have said that their activity on model mayhem, as far as like people messaging them has decreased significantly. And I've definitely noticed that too. And sometimes I wonder if it's because of my age or just because the website itself is not as popular as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i sure it's, it's probably a little bit of everything of different reasons. I, I kind of just assume a big reason is because of like economic recession and people are just not really willing to pay rates in the same way or reach out in the same way. I know I personally struggled uh like socially with my social skills after the pandemic so i wonder if if people are kind of more nervous to reach out as well i'm not sure yeah, i'm sure there's be. there's a plethora of reasons for it but yeah especially right now the economy is threatening like not so good futures so i think a lot of people are hesitant to I mean, photographing models is like a luxury hobby, so I understand people aren't able to like part with their money as easily right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a huge reason why I've just kind of completely put my focus towards uh, figure modeling for universities and for private clients and public sessions and stuff like that, because it just is, it's always happening I have the network for it. I'm really good at it and I really enjoy it. It's really making my heart happy at the moment. I've, I feel like I've, I've kind of started to get burnt out with, with photography and I've kind of gone into a mentality of just like, I'm not going to shoot absolutely anything unless it actually makes me feel something you know, because I get I get hit up by people who are like, "Hey, let's shoot," or or models who I would love to shoot with, but it's kind of like, you know, I I maybe I'd rather just hang out, or like, or I'll have to just kind of forgo working with a photographer because it's like, yeah, you seem cool, but I've done what you want to shoot like literally hundreds of times, and it's just not really, <laughs> it's not really worth me putting my makeup on for. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that <laughs> at times but like when, when it comes to people who are offering to hire you though like what I suppose what is your threshold for oh I've done this a million times but you're offering pay would you do it or not like what, what would your criteria for saying yes or no be I really look for people who just seem like they're really enthusiastic about photography and they are really trying to to do good work with it. I definitely prioritize paid gigs, even if it's something that I have done plenty of times or, you know, it is not something that's like some high concept or super interesting to me. I still accept those, but I think I if I'm feeling stressed at the time, it's more of like my criteria of like I'm stressed, if I'm busy with work, if the other person is being kind of like wishy-washy or I'm just not feeling it, then then I will just say, hey, maybe another time. But at this point, I just don't, I don't really get as many paid photography gigs at all. I think it's kind of due to, to the recession like we talked about, but I think a, a huge part of it is the, the area that I'm in and the fact that I haven't really branched out towards like the DMV area or DC area because I just <laughs> I've been like I said really focused on figure and in a bit of a homebody if I'm being honest so it's not as easy to find work as it was when I was in Los Angeles like pre-pandemic days 
I want to take a short little break to tell you about Model Society. ModelSociety.com is a website dedicated to featuring figurative fine art photography for models and photographers. What makes them different than other portfolio hosting websites is that some of those other websites will still host kind of tacky photography or exploitative photos. Model Society screens all of their contributors for quality and authenticity. So you only get the best of the best on there. If you're not a photographer or model, you can still enjoy and appreciate Model Society because they also have newsletters and magazines featuring their best work and new articles each week. Check it out, modelsociety.com. I will also include a link to Model Society in the show notes. All right, now back to our show. It's a very, a very different landscape now. Yeah, I guess like economically, it's a different landscape. I've always found that Los Angeles seemed to be like a harder place to find paid modeling gigs. How even I mean, I haven't been there in at least like seven years, but that was my experience back then is that photographers that wanted to pay were like few and far between. And then the ones that did want to pay, and this might have been my current look at that time, but like a lot of them wanted to do like like playboy hustler type stuff and if they were like looking for hiring a model perhaps a lot of the creative like cool ones like skipped past me i don't know that it was kind of hard for me to find like decent paying work in la because everybody's trying to make it or whatever yeah it's such a a fascinating contrast when you go to to metropolis areas versus like like richmond areas where i'm at i see a lot of similarities but i think when it comes to los angeles new york miami those kinds of spots it's like you almost have to like be in with clicks and you have to be really like connected into certain circles to get those paid gigs but even then I think it's it's still really hard to find paid work. You might find, I think you'll find easily like trade uh, shoots with really cool people that are pro- like super worth your time because they're awesome photographers, awesome people, whatever. But the ones you want to pay are are definitely like ones that you have to like. You really have to dig for those, in my experience. And once you find them. You just have to retain them, in my experience. That was kind of my my MO as a as a Los Angeles model was just like working with the other models that were in my clique and we would all get we would all catch different pain gigs and we would share contacts and those photographers would end up reaching out to to different models and stuff. And so you would kind of just try to 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 get, maintain long-term clients than just find more and more and more ones which I think is kind of the case for a lot of smaller areas as well but I really I personally haven't really found the algorithm for my area I've kind of I think I'm in a really maybe not a really different place than most models because I I guess I can't really speak to that but I've kind of just taken a break from the photography networking business algorithm and trying to like get myself in that sphere. And I've tried to just work more on, on different spheres of my career. So it's been like a weird shift in how I think of things in terms of myself for my career. Mm-hmm. Cause I went from, you know, Los Angeles photography modeling to Richmond, Virginia figure modeling mostly. And it's a bit of a different world between the two. It's been interesting. I've done a couple, like very, like maybe two to three drawing sessions in my entire career. So enough to like know what it basically entails. And also that pay is usually a lot lower than what photographers generally pay professional freelance models, which is probably the main reason why I haven't pursued it as much. But I suppose if I didn't have traveling expenses and I had a lot of hours doing the the drawing session type modeling then maybe I would do more of it yeah that's that's kind of where where I'm at at the moment I have a a 10 minute commute to work where I have 
usually about like two classes a day at 20 an hour very consistently and my my workplace and my colleagues are fantastic and of course I have my gripes I could get into the whole thing of like working with with universities but it's really convenient for me with the setup that I've got so it's I've gotten really cozy with what <laughs> with what I'm doing right now. I still do photography every so often, but I've kind of just stuck with my my little group of of friends that I always shoot with, like my partner and and a couple of of really amazing friends that that are easy for me to work with. But it's um yeah yeah it's been an interesting balance of to figure out of going from doing photography gigs to doing figure multiple times a day every single day it's very different on the body and figuring out it's challenging in that you have to almost like learn your body in a a more intimate way and push your strength and your own boundaries of what you think you can do at least for me i know there's there's some figure models who are not really like artists about it you know which is totally fine there's plenty of people out there who who do it just as like a side gig but it's a passion for me so I I like to take it above and beyond like I do with (laughs) with with a lot of things so that's cool I want to elaborate a little bit more on your experience with clicks because not very many people have mentioned that but I know that there are a lot of clicky type groups of people like in the model photography world i'd i'd like to ask could you just elaborate on that a little bit like where are the clicks like how would you say that one would get into them because i'm sure a lot of people listening are curious about that too yeah i mean i think it's a very paralleled to just society you could say it's like a micro of the macro in in a certain sense but in my experience it's just models are all friends, our peers, they work together. And I think a lot of us understand that it's mutually beneficial to share contacts and to share resources because it's just easier. Like we could all gatekeep and hold on to our contacts of who are the paid gigs, but then we have to do all this extra work to keep finding new ones. Whereas if we share them, people share with us. And a lot of times a huge part of it I think too, is just for social media and promotion. When you have a a click that you work with often, whether it's doing paid gigs or doing trades, I mean, I, I would do lots and lots of shoots with my model click and we would just mess around and we would have fun and, and just take fun pictures just for OnlyFans or just to post on social media that we were hanging out. And it's kind of a clout bombing, as I've heard it coined by Brad Tromel, it kind of just is a mutually beneficial structure of working together to cross promote, to gain exposure. Because especially when you get into a clique and you start to get to know models who have more followers than you, that's really beneficial to you. And then it's also been beneficial to them to have a new face on their feed. You know, so it it kind of all feeds into each other, which, of course, leads to a lot of fakeness and, you know, people using people. But I think that's that's with any industry and entertainment and the arts when you're dealing with people who have to work by numbers and by sales and with egos and personas and all of that and followers nowadays. Followers are a huge, huge commodity. So. I can't say I have any specific advice for how to get into clicks. I think it's just a matter of hitting people up, making friends, getting to do collab shoots with people, and just networking that way and just, you know, uh, getting more people under your umbrella, basically. It doesn't necessarily have to be a small click, but I always kind of preferred that because it was with people that I actually enjoyed spending time with and were friends yeah. with. So it so it actually it made work really fun and a lot less like soul crushing. So 
yeah, I would say it's just kind of a matter of, of putting yourself out there and making friends and being professional, really. Yeah, true. I definitely feel like I've made a lot of friends through modeling and the ones that I've like enjoyed spending time with in addition to being creative with are people that I've continually met up with. But there's definitely people that I felt were only trying to connect with me because they wanted something that wasn't really me, but like the social media side of me, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they wanted your followers. They wanted your contacts. They wanted your photographers. Yeah, it's I I feel like it's you kind of know sometimes when people engage with you and it's like, yeah, totally. What, What I find is attractive to me about like working with somebody else outside of like their follower account because I know that people get their accounts deleted all the time or Instagram just hates women's bodies now so it's like nobody (laughs) can get traction if they're showing their actual body which is fucking stupid but but so what attracts me to people to work with them is when I see that it's obvious that they're passionate about what they're doing and I can't like put my finger on it but you can just tell that they're like into it you know like with what they say about their posts like with the kind of stuff that they're doing there's just a vibe and it's you want to like join vibes with them because you could tell they're so like stoked about what they're doing and I feel like that's more important than follower count to me at least oh yeah 100 percent. I mean it's kind of the same way that I look at potential collaborators who are photographers you know there's just like a certain if they present themselves a certain way in what they post what they prioritize advertising of themselves um what kind of content they prioritize posting you know i think that kind of says a lot about what they do cuz i've i've talked to certain people who i'm sure are are great models you know or great photographers but models in particular especially since I moved, I was trying to be more, more open and, you know, try to meet more people. And I kind of like let my guard down as, as far as like, well, I I don't really like anything they post, but they seem nice. So let's try it out. And it, it kind of bit me in the butt because I just walked into an environment where they were not on the same page as me, you know, and that's happened a few times where it's like, they're more of a, an OnlyFans content creator. And I'm more of like a fine art, high concept, fashion-y sort of person at this point is like the art that I like to do. I still like to do a lot of boudoir and like erotically charged themes in my art, but it's very different than like the, the stuff that I do during a shoot is not setting up my camera so that I can twerk or like do little strip teases which I used to do all the time uh when I had my OnlyFans but it's just it's just not what I do right now anymore especially since I retired so I have absolutely no like not trying to throw any shade I'm like very like pro sex work but I do have to prioritize like what is like emotionally fulfilling and makes sense for me you know and it doesn't really make sense for me to work with someone whose end goal in the product of what we're going to make is just totally on a different page. I mean, that goes for anybody, I would think, you know, but I, I don't think some people understand that. They just see the follower count and they see the just the, the baseline facade of things and that's it. And it's like, okay, well, that's <laughs> let's go a little deeper than that, shall we? Yes. <laughs> The intent or how how the content is going to be used is going to affect like how you work together with somebody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's I'm really not in especially when it comes to photography, like I like to spend weeks and months on on costuming, on a set setup, on a narrative. Uh, for these things. And I collaborate with the people that I want to work on this with for a long time. Because to me, that's just like where my the direction my art is going. So when someone comes to me, and they want to just like do, do like, oh, let's just do a shoot where we like, 
you know, put laundry on and we just like shoot. And it's like, uh, that's not really my thing right now. Like, I'm sure yeah. if I had an OnlyFans, that would be awesome to get just some content going to just have something to put out. But it's not my priority right now. So I think to kind of go back on what we were talking about before, I think that's like a huge part of finding the right click for you is just finding those like niches and clicks that are on the same page and have similar yeah. goals. That makes a lot of sense. All right, I wanted to ask you something that I ask everybody on the podcast. And this is a section that I call the photo shoot fail of the week. It doesn't have to be a fail, but can you describe a story that something that happened in your modeling where you had a crazy experience, either because the situation surrounding the photo shoot was crazy, perhaps the photographer themselves was crazy. Like, what's one of your crazy photo shoot stories? Oh, man. I have quite a few of them. And I thought about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought about one and I I was like, you know, I have those ones that are like kind of sad and just like make me feel angry to think about that I let that happen. But I have one that just has stuck with me for a long time because it was horrifying and so uncomfortable in the moment. But looking back on it, it was just hilarious. I don't even think I remember this guy's name. I, I think it was like Stacy or something like that, or Tracy. It was like a, a a name that I'm used to being like assigned to women. So I was expecting a female photographer showing up to the shoots that I had. I just like dropped money for for the Uber lift out there, and I had like organized a whole ride back. This is before I had a car, so it was like really or a driver's license. So it was really hard for me to like get to shoots that were not super local to me. This was like two and a half hours away. I show up to this house and it's just it decrepit. And the driver was like, is this the place? Like very incredulously, like, are you sure you want me to drop you off here? And I was like, oh yeah, it's like super embarrassed. Like, no, this it's around here. Like, thank you so much. Like tipped him. And I knock on the door and this guy answers and I'm like, hi, I'm looking for, for Tracy. Do you know like who, where she might be? And he, and he was like, oh, that's me. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) And he, he let me in and his house was like really dirty and weird. And I, it was like, it felt like a fever dream looking back at it, but I was like, okay, like he, he seems pretty harmless let's let's just roll with it get paid get the fuck out of here (laughs) kind of mentality but I think this guy was totally harmless he just was like such a weirdo like so socially like inept and awkward and he was telling me really personal stuff that I just you know did the oh yeah mm mm-hmm wow interesting like you know just doing the whole model (laughs) therapist thing Uh and so we eventually he it took us forever for him to to get out of there to even shoot and he finally took me to this really sketchy spot off the side of a road in Malibu and he was like oh yeah this is perfect this is exactly what we're looking for and it was like a bog like a mossy stinky bog and i was like uh okay like maybe we can go over to that tree or something and we get out and we're looking around and he's like i want you to sit in that chair and i was like what chair and there's a there's a fucking chair like like a trash someone like dumped a a chair like an armchair and it's sitting in the bog and i'm like oh my god okay this is you know back when I didn't know that I was allowed to say no you know yeah and I walked out knee deep in god knows what was in that water and I posed on this like decrepit armchair in the middle of this like weird mossy bog thing (laughs) off the side of of Malibu like Pacific Coast Highway freeway and then it got worse I got out 
he set up this like shower like pseudo rain thing and then he asked me if i could take photos of him what (laughs) i was like sure like i know how to work a camera like i can do that for you and he's like oh great i have this model friend who 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 paints and she wanted me to give her a reference and i was like um okay and he was like all right sweet and so he gets naked and he starts to jack off to get (gasps) bigger without any any warning you know and i guess he probably assumed that i knew what art reference meant or something but i was speechless i was like how is this getting worse like this is insane and so he went up to he like went up to the tree and he starts like doing all these poses that were like actually not that bad and so i'm just <laughs> just standing there like just i didn't even know what to do i just hit the trigger and was like okay that looks great yeah all right i think we're done well well look at the time i think it's time to go and so i got him to get dressed and take me back to where my meetup spot with my driver was and i have never grabbed the money and ran faster than that day I I was mortified. I was mortified and so embarrassed. And I don't think I've really told that story before. But looking back on it, it was just, it was hilarious that this person just is a character that exists in the world. It's just unfathomable. But <laughs> I'm grateful to say that I have since learned how to say no and when to tell people to fuck off. But when you're a little baby... 18 19 year olds it you just you just start doing it for the money and you just shake your head and say yes to to get through it but oh my god I it's it was like it was just such an experience so that's uh definitely my my photography Whoa. so you had come into this assuming because they had a, a generally known as female first name that it was going to be a female photographer so perhaps your your guard was a little bit let down you're like oh great like a female photographer wants to work with me this is going to be fun you know we're going to jive and then it was like the complete opposite experience of what you expected it was going to be (laughs) yes yeah and you know that i think about it too he had female photographer listed on model mayhem where it, it gives you the the option to to like select that I remember it did say female photographer and I asked him about it because he was like insulted that I thought he was going to be a woman because of his name, which, okay, fair. Like, I'm sure he got bullied for it or something growing up, but I was like, like, it says on your website and he just, he, he kind of was like, oh, what, what? I, I don't know, like, and just brushed it off or something. I don't uh-huh. really remember, but it was kind of glossed over. <laughs> He was, I don't even think he maliciously did that. I think this guy was just a, a grade A weirdo, which is no other, no other word for it. It's just a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. And the visual of the chair in the bog too. I could, so I've definitely done stuff that I thought was physically uncomfortable because I had faith that the pictures were going to be good. But then that same thing, like a same concept, like getting in cold water or like laying in something that's kind of nasty. I'm only motivated to do it if I know that the pictures are going to be really good. But if it's just like some guy with a crappy portfolio that like doesn't really care about like the quality of the images, then I know like it's not going to be like mentally or physically worth it for me to like suffer through the, you know, like posing in a nasty bog or something like that. No. Yeah. I've definitely, if throughout my career, I've done stuff that was really physically challenging, like posing in the snow, getting in ice cold water, like swimming to get out to a rock to pose like stuff like that that I'm like this is gonna be awesome I'm totally willing to risk my life for this shot like (laughs) but the bog photo was not it (laughs) yeah baby me did not did not have that one right (laughs) that sucks wow that's a doozy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll have to try to look for those photos have a good laugh (laughs) 
Yeah, totally. I have another question that I'd like to ask that I ask everybody on the show. I call it the rising phoenix moment in your life. Can you describe something where you were faced with a challenge where you had to overcome it? And it could be related to your modeling or just generally in life where you were faced with perhaps a career change or like a change of mentality or some kind of a shift where you had to overcome a challenge? Hmm. I have had lots of those, I think. I think probably my biggest one to date was getting out of my last relationship that had just gotten destroyed by addiction and I was living in not a great living situation, really bad environment, just completely like surrounded by addicts and drugs and just party lifestyle with people who were totally willing to just keep going down and down the drain. And I felt like I was starting to just get caught up in that. So I... After lots and and lots of really, like, shitty situations and, you know, grief and turbulations, I finally got had the support that I needed to leave that, that situation. I was in that relationship for, like, six, seven years or something. Wow. It was a long, it was a long relationship, long term. And I really cared about that person immensely. And to this day, I still pray for him and hope that he's found a way to, to fight his demons and and get, get out of addiction. But it's a terrible monster that and anybody who defeats it is, is a hero in my book. But getting myself out of the, that situation and honestly just taking the leap to pack all of the courage that it took for me to pack up all of my stuff in one day and move out and never look back was probably one of the biggest achievements that I've done for myself was, was moving towards something better for myself. Wow. And doing something about the fact that I knew that I deserved better. That's good. I I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but I, I did it and it, it was, it was the right decision, even if it was, heartbreaking and really sad and I I lost a lot I sacrificed a lot of friends and relationships and and a past version of myself that I never could see past I didn't really see a future for myself you know it was it just all I saw was addiction and drugs and poverty basically I lived in an RV in a trailer park okay I was I was the definition of white trash and having friends coming over to just rack up lines and and drink every single day. I didn't see myself ever owning house, ever really going anywhere. And it, it really just seemed like that was it. It felt really dead end for me. And I was I was discouraged by that environment to ask for more. And so I just finally came to my senses and just and realized that I was going to just have to get out of there if I wanted to live my life and to have anything other than a life of like poverty and addiction. So it was a monumental like rising out of the ashes moment for me to to finally admit, put my pride aside, admit the abuse that I had suffered and to get out of that mentality that abuse tends to put victims into and to not let myself be a victim anymore and to do something about it. So I packed my bags in one day. It, it took me a lot of courage to, to execute the plan to just get out of there, but I did it. And I just never really looked back. And the year after that was was extremely tough because I finally got myself into a, an extremely safe relationship in a safe environment with stability, which is the most jarring thing to experience as as like an abuse survivor, because then it was like all of the processing was happening <laughs> all at once and being like, wow, oh my God, this is what life could have been like the entire time. Wh- Mind blown, like just insanity. 
So I wake up every day just very grateful for the life that I'm living now. And I'm grateful for my past self for finally standing up. That's great. I I can relate to that on a lot of different levels because I've had awful ex-boyfriends. I've dated drug dealers. I lived in a party house. And yeah, I had to leave that part of my identity in the past also. So like your story resonated a lot with me. Yeah, I love that. It really is like, I think a human rite of passage to experience ourselves like burning down to ashes and find ourselves at rock bottom. And sometimes, hopefully, to rise from that. I know that not everybody does, but anybody who does manage to do that, it takes a lot of bravery. And those types of people are are heroes of their own story. You basically kind of almost have to replace your addiction with like a new addiction, which for me ended up being modeling. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean... That sounds pretty yeah, good to me. Healthier, yeah. Definitely. Right? <laughs> I mean, having an addictive pattern in general is not healthy, but I think that's just how a lot of people's brains are wired. They just like want to hyper focus and get really into something. And then after you leave an entire identity in the past, you have to create something new somehow. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think we like grow up with like, certain coping mechanisms and not. Sometimes we don't learn any coping mechanisms. And so, of course, we live in a world where addiction is almost inevitable. It's encouraged. So it's a really hard thing to to identify, let alone to pick yourself up out of. Which is why like I don't I don't hold any malice for my ex because I understand what he was going through, but I couldn't help him. And you know, and that that's a, a really common story, but it is like, you know, I kind of I try to think what what was my addiction that I replaced all of the drugs and stuff in the partying with. And I feel like modeling was kind of the answer for me, too. I just like full force put myself into my work and into traveling, too, was was a huge, a huge, I guess, a uh, serotonin booster for me. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I can fully relate. I feel like we could talk about this for like an extended period of time, but I know that we're closing up on our hour. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so great. Thanks for sharing that with me. I actually didn't know that about you. I didn't know that you had that in your past. And that's part of the reason why I like asking that question of a, a challenge that you've had to overcome because it like makes people listening that aren't super familiar with what it's like to be a traveling freelance model. It gives you that element of humanity that you have, like struggles that you've gone through, like you're a human, just like everybody else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's I'm a very open person. And I do like to talk about this stuff on my page. But it's not something that like, models don't advertise their life stories, because, you know, it's not good for business. so people seem to think that we don't have like our dark backstories and you know uh, full lives behind the photograph you know so i i love that you asked that i think that's really great yeah yeah thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that story yeah thank you well we are about at the end of our time is there anything that you wanted to bring up before we go anything that i have been thinking about in terms of modeling has been surrounded the idea of our labor value. And as freelancers, as contract workers, even as employees for institutions, for art institutions, I think we need to collectively keep helping each other to organize, to unionize, to get our wages higher, to get our working conditions raised and improved so that the horrible stories and the negative connotations and the trauma that comes out of the work that we do has less of an impact and that we're all able to survive together. So that's kind of working with this guild that I've come into. It's it's become, it's always been an important topic for me personally, but I'm really wanting to to get people thinking more about this and that we we don't have to all work individually and and go at this alone. So just something to think about in terms of 
of our workplace and of ourselves as working class people and workers using our bodies as an asset. Yeah, totally. With social media, I think that that has improved a bit, but there's still a lot of room for improvement. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's an um, immense space for improvement. The fact that we're able to talk to each other and share our wages and share what our rates are and what photographers are paying us has been a huge help to raising the standard for, you know, for our minimum rates and stuff. But we need to, I mean, I still see models nowadays that are like, oh, we're not supposed to talk or ask about what we're getting paid or what we charge. And it's like, no, you got to talk about this stuff. We have to be open about it with each other. We can't fall into the trap of pointing fingers at one another and act like we're competition, you know, like, because in the end, it's not about that. Resources can be plentiful. It doesn't, there's doesn't need to be a manufactured scarcity of work and of wages. And especially when we're working as contractors for institutions or even employees, it's still, it still goes to show, you know, I think a lot of in independent models of freelance models, we like to think of ourselves as, as separate from the general workforce but I, I think I would really like to dissolve that myth because we are still the working class. We are still working people and we do need to fight for our rights as in the workplace and in the environment. And to dis- dispel the myths that, you know, that we are somehow less worthy or immoral because just because the work that we do has to do with our bodies and our femininity and our, and our sexuality and just our, our naked bodies, you know? So I just would really like to, to get that conversation going and, and have more people start to really th- think more holistically about their, their job. I agree. I, I think that's really important. I'm glad that you brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like I could talk about it for hours, but yeah. <laughs> well, I'd love to have you on the show again down the road, too. I'm hoping to start doing episodes where I have two guests and then we can like kind of go over different topics together with our experiences on that all right well on that note i will release you from the recording and thank you for for calling in and having the show with me yeah absolutely it was so awesome to get to talk with you and thank you so much for having me on i appreciate it you're welcome all right talk to you later